What's up, everybody? This is Andrew May. This is the Allegorian Elm Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Katie May. Hey, hey. We are here today to talk about our biggest fears. We are here to shoot the shit and be real. That sounds like something you're into. Let's go. Yeah, so we're talking about fear today. And one of the conclusions that we had for fear, a antidote, a counter to fear is compassion. And we have kind of a perfect review for today that just relates to everything that we're talking about. So if you haven't written a review yet, you can do so over on the podcast app. Just hit the three dots, go to show, and you can write a review. Just scroll down a little bit and it'll show. Do a five-star review if you are enjoying this podcast. So this pod, this uh, review comes from Catherine Kwasney and it's five-star review. It says, As a fellow nurse, I believe our first reaction is often compassion in order to create an environment where effective communication can occur. Thank you, Andrew and Katie, for sharing your story and showing the world it is okay to be open and honest with your partner. So yeah, that's what we're all about here, being open, honest, real. And uh, yeah, we want to talk about fear because fear is very interesting in that it can inform us a lot about who we are as individuals. And so we're constantly trying to, Katie and I, and and just individually, we're trying to figure out who we are as people. And fear actually is really helpful in figuring that out. So if you're joining us for the first time, we want to say welcome. Allegory and Elm is a weekly topical podcast with an emphasis on story and growth. And we take the topics that the people want to hear about, like today's topic, which is what are our biggest fears? And so, yeah, Katie, you want to kick things off with what your biggest fear is? Yeah. So my biggest fear used to be the fear of failure and really kind of attaching to this idea that I had to be successful and I had to follow the rules and I had to do things a certain way and be a certain way to show up in the world. And I think as I've kind of worked through my own personal growth journey, I've realized that failure is actually not my biggest fear. One, because I realize the more that you're kind of branching out in your life, there are going to be failures. There are going to be things that you mess up. And I think the more authentic and vulnerable you're living, the more you're going to risk failure because you're, you're taking risks. You're doing things that are uncomfortable. So I would say now, if you ask me my biggest fear, it's actually probably two things. One is the fear of actually not failing enough, because if I'm not failing, it means I'm not really like pushing myself beyond my comfort zone. And two, the fear of success and fear of actually achieving my goals or dreams and and actually creating a life that I'm like visioning or manifesting in my day to day, like writing, it's like, Oh, what if that actually did come to be? Well, then what, like, what would there be? And I've heard that from a a lot of other folks who it's like, when you get to a certain level and not that I'm like at this level, but it's actually the fear of success because there's like this fear that there's a ceiling. And once you reach it, it's like, well, then what do you do? Or then what does your life look like? So I would say that is probably where I'm, I'm kind of like on the cusp of like, Ooh, do I want to keep going down this path of like creating my own business and putting myself out there and 
create, you know, because my dream is to like create abundance and freedom for our family and for myself. And, but then it's like, but what do you have to let go of in order to do that? And that's, I think sometimes scarier when I really think about it. Yeah. I think something that coincides with that is a fear of change. And so often with success comes a lot of change. So if you become more successful in your career, if you're an actor or whatever, you're given more opportunities. Or if you become more successful online and you have a bigger following, there can be more, like if you've networked more or you're in front of more eyeballs, then there's more options for change. And that can be scary. So I don't know if that plays into your fear as well, but I know it can be a scary thing that we can all like fear change. Is that, Mm -hmm. does that play into? Yeah, I think we were talking a little bit more about this last night because we did a clubhouse last night and we talked about this and got to hear others' perspectives. It was really cool. I think real quick clubhouse, if you haven't heard, we've been talking about it on here, but if, if you've never heard of it, it's just essentially a place for us to connect with you guys, the listeners, And it's almost like we're just popping a mic in front of you and you get to ask questions too and contribute to the conversation as well. It's an audio only social media platform and it's very new. Yeah. Twitter's doing their version. Facebook will eventually do theirs and Instagram and all of that. But right now clubhouse is kind of its own cool little thing. Yeah. So we're trying to host, um, rooms every week or so to talk about things like this. So if that's something that's interesting to you and you'd like to join clubhouse or find more about it, um, you have to have an iPhone right now, right? You still have to have an iPhone. It's Apple only, but, um, we have some invites. So reach out to us if it's something that you'd like to check out and connect with us more directly. Um, but anyway, we were talking about, fear last night on clubhouse. And I think I had this realization after our discussion that we often don't take risks in our lives or do things in our lives because it's so unknown. And, and a lot of us, like, unless we can see the whole staircase, we're afraid to take that first step. And what I've realized about actually creating a life that feels true and beautiful to me is you don't get to see the whole staircase. Like that's just not how it works <laughs> because if it did, you'd probably find something wrong with that scenario and <laughs> wouldn't do it anyway, even if you knew all of the things. And so really it's about taking that next step and trusting that the next step will then unfold in the next step. And so for me, countering my fear has really been a lot about learning how to trust Yeah. To trust in the process and to, I think so often we just want to jump from like step 36 to step 70 without doing all the steps in between. And that's a, another topic we want to touch on later. You know, we we often want the result without putting in the work of getting to that result. And I think what we're saying is that you need to be able to be in the moment and to experience whatever step 36 has for you in store, you know, kind of like what you were talking about with the chapters. It's like for your years of life. So for you, that's chapter 37. And instead of living off in this future space and, you know, fearing what that might be or uh, being anxious about how that could turn out or just like 
overly hopeful that you're so much so that you're not living in the now, I think can be detrimental to our growth. And so we talked about so many different things, uh, that we want to discuss today. Like fear of judgment is huge. It's, it would be a reason to not have started this podcast, you know, fear of being judged. And it would have been very easy to, or for us to take half measures. So for me, like a half measure would have been not talking about the affair because that's safer. And I'm far less likely to be judged for just having a podcast about fluff. You know, I think whenever you are able to take real risks, because that was a risk, it was a risk for us to say that publicly and for our family to like know that and for them to know that anybody has access to that, their friends could potentially judge them because their son or, you know, did whatever. And so there's, there's so much fear behind those types of things, fear of failure, fear of success. Like Katie said, fear of loss and fear of living into our purpose. And so for me, I think a way to counteract those fears is to like tackle them head on, uh, to find the courage within you. And you know, somewhat like we were talking about last week with not handing over the pen to someone else to write your story. So fear often leads us to wanting to just let someone else take over. And uh, that way we won't be judged. If we just give them the pen, they can write the story and we don't have to worry about it. Or if we set the pen down then, and we don't write anything, then no one's going to judge us because we just have a blank page and the problem with that is you're not writing down anything of value. You, you know, if you have a story that's just blank and there's not a whole lot going on, like you're just sitting around watching Netflix all the time or not doing a whole lot, I think you're going to find that you're dissatisfied and mm-hmm. that's not me judging you in any way. That's just, that's me kind of thinking that's not how I want to live. I don't want fear to freeze me into place and cause me to like retract into myself Mm -hmm. and be afraid to really live my life. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like you have to weigh out the risks, right. Of actually claiming your life or your story or whatever it is. I was talking to a former client this morning and she's started her own business and we were kind of talking about like, that's scary, right? It's scary to create something that's all your own and the buck stops with you. And it, you know, there's a lot of things that you have to learn and and be willing to risk for, but the return on that investment is you get to create your own life. You get to create your own vision and be the final say and have your own schedule and, ultimately like put your magic out into the world through your creative flow of business, whatever that is for you. And so it's like almost like you have to decide like whether we're talking about like building a business or just taking claim on your life, like you have to decide what is more important to you. Do you want to live an authentic, true existence to yourself that's going to cost you some things. That's going to be risky. It's not super sexy (laughs) most of the time. Or 
are you going to stay like the shell of who you could be because you're afraid and because you don't want to disappoint people or you don't want to potentially fail or take risks or look stupid or be found out or, you know, and so it is, it's a deeper thing to really think about. And I don't think there is a right or wrong answer, but I think when I really think about it, we are put here to be who we are. And if we're hiding a part of ourselves because of we're being afraid or not sure about how the world will receive us, then we're actually like not stepping into the reason that we're here at all. Yeah. What I'm hearing from you is that fear can essentially just stifle growth. It can stop us from living. It can just immobilize us to, yeah, where we don't take action to where we don't start that business or start that podcast or start that YouTube channel or whatever it is for you that you want to start. The thing is, is like, you'll be so much further down the road if you just start today. You know, I think about that for Taekwondo. If I had just kind of been like, "Ah, I'm not really like ready yet to start. You just can keep feeding yourself excuses, like fear-based excuses to where you just get so much further down the road and you're like, man, I could have been a black belt at this point if I had just started whenever I originally said I wanted. Yeah. 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 I could have had a hundred episodes on a podcast and now everybody's podcasting and it's going to be, it's going to feel a little bit watered down and I could have already honed that skill set to where I'm so much better at it. I think what I'm really learning right now is that practicing a thing and continuing to show up for yourself and for others is really important for your growth. That's why we keep showing up for this podcast, regardless of how many people listen or don't listen. Uh, there's certain things for me, like Instagram can be a grind. It's not my favorite thing to do, but like podcasting, I really enjoy clubhouse has been something I've been enjoying because I like deep conversations and that's what stimulates me. Um, but sometimes it can be a little bit scary to put yourself out there and to say like, this is what I'm afraid of. Um, and something that's interesting that we talked about last night is fear is not all negative. Fear can be positive because it can inform us. It informs us it's information. It can inform us as to where and how we can grow. So one of the people in the room said that it's like an alarm system. Essentially it alerts you to, you know, like, Oh, this, this doesn't sit right with you. And you can either kind of like take the information and say, yep, that's true. Or that's, that's not true. And so, um, you know, I use the example of riding a bike. Like when we first ride a bike, we're absolutely terrified and all the fear responses are going off because we just think we're going to crash and die even as kids. But the more we do a thing, the less we allow fear to step in the more that we kind of conquer the fear and we're able to like eventually ride the bike with, you know, no problem yeah, and ride the bike maybe with no hands or, or whatever. And so that takes practice though. And that's what I'm learning. Like even speaking on a podcast takes practice. I don't know if, if we went back and listened to some of our older episodes, if we'd be like, geez, but like trying not to say, um, and like, and all the things, you know, it's, it does take practice and it takes you continuing to just overcome the fear a little bit and say like, yeah, that is scary. 
and I'll allow it to, to speak. I'll allow fear to say what it needs to say, but I don't always have to give into it. And I don't always have to listen to fear or change your direction just because it it's signaling you. Right. Mm-hmm. It's really just an, an almost like an awareness and kind of like, let me just pay attention to this for a second, but I don't need to get swept away in it. It's like really any other emotion. I think that comes up. It's really just a sign, a signal, something that's saying like, Hey, you may just want to like give this a minute and maybe you like, let it just move on through. Maybe it's going to like give you pause, whatever, but it's here. So you might as well honor it and do what you will, but don't let it control what you're going to do next really. And I, I love the thought of, um, I think you mentioned, you brought up compassion the other word that came up last night was confidence when we were talking and, you know, some people just feel like they don't have a lot of confidence in themselves and that like is a part of their fear and something that we kind of brought up that I think I even said last week on the podcast was like the only way to really build confidence is to do hard shit, <laughs> like push and, and hard shit could be my hard shit could look different than your hard shit. Like what, what I perceive as hard could be very different from what you perceive as hard. So like going to therapy for you might feel like the hardest thing in the entire world. I've been there, done that. So that's not hard for me anymore. It was hard at one point, like mm. to dive into that and be like, what am I getting myself into? So, yeah, I think taking the chance to do something different and hard that seems hard for yourself, but know that, you know, the more you do something like, just like with Taekwondo, like when, I mean, can we revisit like my first day in Taekwondo? I cried Mm -hmm. because I was like, this is so hard. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not used to knowing what I'm not doing. Like, I'm not used to this feeling. I'm not used to being a novice. I'm used to being an expert, like Mm -hmm. in what I'm doing. And, I think it's good for you to feel like you don't know what you're doing sometimes because it's a reminder of humility. Like we're all in different places and learning things and none of us know everything there is to know about life period. We never will. So it's, it's a good moment to humble yourself when you're feeling that uncertainty of like, Oh, this, this is just part of learning something new. For sure. Yeah. I think, doing hard things is where we build that confidence. It's stepping out outside of our comfort zone, which is comfortable to just stay at home or like take a walk in the neighborhood or watch stuff on TV or play video games or do any of those things. Those are comfortable. But I think for me, like public speaking or, you know, even the podcast, I I think I've gotten more comfortable with it, but sometimes if I'm being interviewed by someone else where I don't know the direction of the conversation, that's where I get a little bit more nervous and fearful because what if I say something wrong? What if I say something stupid? And when I'm leading a clubhouse, sometimes that's, those are the same thoughts that go through my head of what if people find out that I'm just full of shit even though I don't think I'm full of shit, I, I can rationalize that outside of those moments. But in those moments of fear, I'm much more irrational and more like fight or flight, like panic just. And I think it spoke to a deeper fear that I have, which is like feeling like I don't have value to offer the mm-hmm. world. And so that's, that's something that I shared and 
it's interesting because I know I have value. And so something that Katie had, has said to me is like in those moments of fear, speak truth to those things, areas in which you don't feel strong enough, brave enough, um, smart enough, you know, to articulate your points or to be in a a room with people who have, you know, 50,000, a hundred thousand followers, and they're just killing it in within an industry. And then you feel like you don't have much value to bring to the table, but we all have value. And I think that that's what we need to come back to is those truths. So when I said that knowing what your fear, like your greatest fears are is information and it's helpful and it's informative, it can be really helpful for you discovering how to help yourself. So what I mean by that is me knowing what my biggest fear is helps me to be able to speak compassionately to myself in those fears. And so mm-hmm. we talk, we've talked about judgment before, but like a lot of times with fear, we tend to judge ourselves and we'll be like, Oh man, that's so ridiculous that you're thinking like this again, or, Oh man, don't be so stupid. And we tend to talk very harshly to ourselves. But one thing that we've discovered about fear is that you have to be an ally for yourself and you have to be a compassionate person towards yourself. Because if someone else came to you with their fear, you're going to be compassionate unless you're a total asshole, you're going to be compassionate to that person. So why can't we show that same compassion to ourselves? Cause that's what we need to speak into is that truth to these fears that we have and to show up for ourselves in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's how we kind of coach and guide ourselves. And then when we overcome some of those fear things, like every time I lead a clubhouse room or uh, am interviewed on a podcast, I get, I gain more confidence. It's like riding that bike. It's like, Oh, cool. These are the steps. These are the necessary, necessary steps to get to that next place that I want to be. And you can't just arrive. You can't just arrive at that place. No one has. Yeah. And you can't like brute force your way through it. We've talked before about manning up and, and what that looks like. And you cannot like just muscle your way through Mm -hmm. a problem like that or say, don't be a bitch. Don't be a pussy. Like don't be afraid that that type of self-talk doesn't actually work, but I feel like compassionate self-talk is what really works. What do you think? Well, yeah. And it makes you a better leader and a better human. You know, I think there are people who have probably forced their way to the quote unquote top, which I'm not even sure I believe in a top anymore, but I think there are people who have like, elbowed their way through and, and then they get up there and, you know, they're in a leadership role a lot of times when they get to that position and you can tell like right away who hasn't done the inner work because there's a real disconnect with empathy and vulnerability. And I think when you instead trust the process and take your time in the growth process of, you know, whether it's climbing like a corporate ladder or just creating your own life and your own thing, if you can learn to honor yourself at every phase of the journey, 
it's not only going to make you more compassionate for yourself, but it's going to give you more compassion for other people. So that if you find yourself in a leadership position or a mentorship position, like where you're mentoring other people who are coming through behind you, you're going to do it in a more loving and compassionate way than say somebody who has like elbowed their way through and just kept like stuffing down the fear and the feelings that come up along the journey because those are, they're there to teach us things. Like I think when, when I realized like I can stop viewing my pain or my fear or my anger or any like uncomfortable emotion, essentially when I can stop viewing that as the enemy and actually invite it in and sit down with it and say, gosh, this really hurts, but what are you doing here? Like, what are you, what are you trying to teach me? And I recently heard somebody else kind of say that about anxiety for them. Like when those feelings come, our tendency is to like push them away, like push it away. That's not how I'm really feeling. But instead, could we practice like actually inviting those feelings in, honoring them, asking them what they're there for? What are they there to bring to us instead of resisting them, like bring them into our story, not attaching to them, but bringing them in, honoring them and then more healthfully moving through. And I think from that place, I mean, you see it in artists a lot, like people create the best art when they're like, when they do accompany those hard feelings, when they do say, come in, let's see what you have. And then from that, they create something really like with your grief project. I mean, you would never have had that experience and created that project if you hadn't befriended your grief. Right. Right. Yeah, I think that we often think of avoidance as a solution. So avoiding feeling things, avoiding pain, because no one wants to feel pain. We don't want to experience pain. So when we allow it in and, you know, essentially the way you said it, befriend the pain, like it, that's where we actually can heal is by experiencing all the emotions, the whole gamut from anger to sadness, to depression, even, uh, to like envy of others. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's healthy to be envy, but what I am saying is it's not healthy to stuff those feelings down. I think it's okay to allow those to come in and to examine them and say, what, what is this teaching me? Like, why am I so jealous of all these other people at this beach that are playing with their moms or that have their moms is because mine was robbed from me. And I think being able to understand that and to say it out loud allows you to heal. And you talk about with embrace yourself whole that, and one of the biggest things you've learned is people at the end of life, you know, wanting to find wholeness and healing and talk, you talk about having healing and wholeness now. And I think the way we have healing and wholeness now is through feeling things, not avoiding them, not pushing them away, not pushing our fears away because we, we can't, we don't release fear unless we feel, mm-hmm. you know, like fear isn't going to go away just because we like ignore it. It will yeah. still continue to be there. And so the way to counteract that is by actually 
sitting down with your feelings. If you, if you need to get out a journal to actually write out what you're feeling, I think for me specifically in my grief journey, I had to like stuff just would come to the surface and I would just let it. So if I was in a coffee shop and I just felt like crying because that did happen on occasion, I just allowed myself, I gave myself permission to cry. And if people saw me, whatever, I don't care. When I was at the beach and I did see people with like lots of people spending time with their mothers and my mother was gone. I just got some shells and just threw them into the ocean, like as hard as I could. Cause I was angry and sad too. It was the, this mix of those two emotions. And so for me, it helped to abate some of that, not abate the grief, but the fear surrounding me feeling things because mm-hmm. I think the fear that can be present for people is if I allow this stuff to come in, it's going to consume me. If I allow anger to enter in, it's mm-hmm. going to consume my being. And I, from my experience, it, it won't consume you. It will, it's actually what will heal you. If you do it in an unhealthy way, then it can consume you. Like if you partner it with alcohol or other substances, I think it can be really, damaging to you, um, like too much alcohol. Yeah. I think if you don't, I think what you're trying to say, what I, what I hear and what we've kind of talked about is having some healthy ways to allow space for those feelings, like, like journaling, like moving your body, like having sacred space that you can really process it instead of just numbing it out or instead of just pushing it down and, ignoring it or pretending like it's not there. And I think so often it's, we don't see people's real emotions because on social media, it's like, everybody's great and we have the perfect family and we're happy. And, and that we know that's not reality, but like we, that's what we see a lot. And so I think what I'm more interested in is creating space for people to learn about how to really connect with themselves and sit with themselves and go deeper with themselves because that is the space that is needed in order to heal. hundred percent. Yeah. And I think we'll probably try to close this episode out, but. Cause you're t- hungry. <laughs> somebody's tummy is a little <laughs> rumbly. Remember that book we had, the Winnie the Pooh one? And it said, makes my tummy rather rumbly. Rather rumbly. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hello, Tigger. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best poo I got. Sorry. Um, yeah. So closing thoughts, I guess, about fear is, you know, fear is interesting because it shows that we have vulnerabilities, we have insecurities, and we're not living up to our idealized version of ourselves. But the way you get to an idealized version of yourself is essentially, I'm just kind of beating a dead horse with this, but is allowing yourself to feel things and being compassionate towards yourself. The compassion and the overcoming the fear is what builds the confidence. And so you are able to step into that future self, that idealized, that highest self, the things that we've unfuckwithable self (laughs) that I don't know that we've ever (laughs) called it that, but we had to get one fuck in this episode. So did we, did I, you did, (laughs) but yeah, I think that 
that overcoming fear shows us how truly capable we actually are. And that's what's so powerful about fear to me is it's a teacher. It's, it can be something that can, we can see as negative or we can have kind of a perspective shift and say, what is this trying to teach me about myself? And so maybe look at fear in a different way. Don't look at it as such a binary. It's all bad kind of thing. Look at the positives in the ways that your fear can actually inform you because a conclusion that we've come to is that we're always going to have fears of things. We're going to have fears of our, our kids dying or parents dying or irrational fears, fear of speaking, uh, fear of losing someone in a relationship, like a loved one, either to like divorce or to death. And so fears aren't going to go away. But we, that's why we want to talk about this stuff because we want people to have tools to be able to know what to do in the face of their fears because avoidance doesn't work. It's not going to help you. Um, but like we said, being an ally for yourself and being compassionate, speaking compassionately towards yourself is what I feel like is the biggest thing to help you with your fear. And I, I choose my words carefully. I don't say to get over your fear because I don't, I don't know that it's something like we get over. It's mm. something that we accompany and we get used to and we say, Oh fear. Guess what? You're not as scary as I thought you were. Yeah. Like, can you companion your grief or your, your grief, your fear? Can you companion it? Can you, you know, bring it in, but not let it run your show basically. Yeah. I see if you were to like personify fear, I would see it as a very volatile person, uh, that just needs a lot of love, you know, and you can either just be like, I'm going to ignore that person. Cause that person's an asshole this guy over here, or you can actually just speak very kindly and show fear like w- your best self. And, and with that, it's almost like a mirror. Your fear mm-hmm. will mirror that back and eventually learn, okay, cool. We don't have to alert you so heavily about this in the future. Oh, you've spoken for thousands of people at conferences loads of times. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a little tinge of an alarm, but it's not going to be this massive, oh my God, I'm going to die up here kind of thing. It's, I think that that's how we can look at fear in a personified way. I don't know if that's helpful to our listeners, but it's helpful to me to think of it in that way. You have any final closing bits, Kate? I would just say too, I think an antidote to fear is also creativity, you know, and we don't have to go too much into that, but I think that, I think, I think we've kind of listed three C's, (laughs) compassion, confidence, and creativity. I think, those are all three. I'm not saying confidence is necessarily an antidote, but I guess it is. Cause like, yeah, it definitely is a byproduct. I think Yeah, you, so you, if you can have compassion toward yourself, move through the feeling and do it anyway and build confidence and then just keep creating fear will still be there, but it will definitely quiet it down. Yeah, I do think like f- creativity can really dissipate fear because when I'm in a creative state, I'm not thinking about posting it on Instagram or people judging me or any of that. I'm just thinking, how can I 
create this or how can I make this the best as possible? Because I do believe regardless of your spiritual beliefs that we're all here to create in some way or another. Some people create through uh, making buildings. Some people create through, uh, you know, doing surgery, open heart surgery on someone and, and creating a whole heart that can actually function. There are people that create in so many different ways. Yeah. So you're, the way you create does not have to be the same way I create. Right. And you can like, I know a lot of people are like, I'm not creative. Like, but, but you are like, we all are because we were created. We all are creative because we were created and whatever your belief structure is, doesn't really matter. We all were somehow created here. <laughs> and so that in its essence makes us creative. Right. And I, I agree. I think we need to honor the fact that we all create. It's just in different ways. You know, I personally believe, I, I mean, I also like to create like tangible things, but I create space for people. Mm -hmm. I hold space and create healing interactions. Yeah. And I'd never really thought of it that way until you just now said that. Yeah. That's but. why we're here. Yeah. I, I feel like other people create, you know, exercise programs, people create, you know, like a lot of times people think they're the traditional creation, like, uh, or creatives like art who, yeah, or writing art, or yeah, photography, like pottery. Those are creative practices, painting, but yeah, just find your creativity, I think would be kind of a, a thing that we would say to end on and something to take away. Because if you feel like you're not super creative, there are ways in which you create, maybe it's, uh, through cooking. Maybe it's how you cook. Um, I'm sure there are ways that you enjoy creating things. Like if you're a parent, guess what? You created a little monster. <laughs> you're a creator and they're creating for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's what we've got for today's episode. So, uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks y'all. Cheers. Peace. If you are continuing to dig these episodes, you can write us a review at Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. If you want to pick up some of our merch, you can do so at allegoryandelm.com slash shop. You can get a shoot the shit and be a real hat or a tri-blend shirt. If you want to connect with us on Instagram, Katie is at Embrace Yourself Whole. Andrew is at Allegory and Elm. Thanks so much for listening. Your story matters. Cheers.